action in the street is exciting But Jesus, between all the bleeding and fighting I've been reading and writing We need to handle our financial situation Are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? A past patiently waiting and passionately smashing Every expectation, every action to act of creation I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow For the first time I'm thinking past tomorrow Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into a brand new episode of Let's Dive Deep. My name is Bradley. My name is Connor. And today we are going to be continuing our deep dive into the hit Broadway musical and pop culture phenomenon, Hamilton. During today's deep dive, we will be focusing on songs 43 through 45. That's the election of 1800, Your Obedient Servant, and The Best of Wives and Best of Women. As per usual, we will be taking into account the Disney Plus version of the musical, the soundtrack, and of course, the experience of seeing Hamilton live. So, no matter where or how you've experienced Hamilton, this is the perfect place for you to be. Before we get started, now is a great time to remind everybody that Let's Dive Deep contains adult content, like equal and opposite reactions. I'm an adult, and I don't still fully understand how that works, so I'm sure most children don't either. I would recommend that you don't play this podcast in front of children, although in terms of all the podcasts on the universe that shouldn't be played in front of children, this probably isn't the worst one, but it's just a recommendation, you know? Definitely not the worst. Anyway, Let's Dive Deep Hamilton does contain spoilers as well. While our focus each episode is a specific set of songs, we'll always take into account the entire musical to add context to our discussion. If you are enjoying this podcast, you can find other Let's Dive Deep series in your favorite podcatcher. Up to the point of recording, I have also completed a deep dive into Bridgerton, which is exciting. Season 2 is super, super soon. I'm so excited to talk about another season of Bridgerton. It's going to be awesome. We also have some uh, secret upcoming projects after Hamilton that are exciting uh, that we're working on. So there'll just be lots of stuff in the future as well if you're listening to this in like 2035 or something. So feel free to just uh, give Let's Dive Deep a search. There's also all the good stuff you can do, you know, subscribing in your podcast feed, leaving us some reviews, some places. That way the podcast gets out to more people. Telling your kind of theater nerd friends or just people who watched Hamilton and liked it about the podcast those types of things and finally we have a twitter at let's dive deep and an email let's dive deep pod at gmail.com where we got just the best email this week i was so happy with it and it was just awesome um so feel free to reach out on those platforms we would love to hear from you that was one of the best emails that was i oh loved it so much all right anyway getting distracted by just how good that was. It was thoughtful, insightful, and made me look at things a little bit differently. But anyway, again, off track. So let's get back on track. Let's get ready to go. Kick back, relax, maybe grab your beverage of choice. We have ours, and let's dive deep into Hamilton. It isn't Aaron Burr, sir. Alexander. You created quite a stir, sir. I'm going door to door. You're openly campaigning. Sure. That's new. Honestly, it's kind of draining. Burr. Sir. Is there anything you wouldn't do? No, I'm chasing what I want. And you know what? What? I learned that from you. 
it's a tie. If you had to choose, if you had to choose, it's up to the delegates. If you had to choose, if you had to choose, it's up to Hamilton. If you had to choose, if you had to choose, the people are asking to hear my voice. The country is facing a difficult choice. And if you were to ask me why promote, Jefferson has my vote. I've never agreed with Jefferson once. We have fought on like 75 different fronts. But when all is said and all is done, Jefferson has beliefs. Burr has none. We are here with the election of 1800. Things have gotten a little tense recently in the musical, and there's a little bit of levity here, and I really enjoy just how he kicked this off. Can we get back to politics? For two, I, what I like is there's a few layers to this. The first layer is just we got to get back. Like, we cannot keep sitting in this just despair forever or else it's just not a fun musical to watch. You're kind of just sitting through just more and more emotionally like depressing stuff. And so at some point you need that comic relief, a little bit of a break, a little bit of something uh, to keep us going and it serves a, a narrative function and just if you're sitting there for the first time you've never watched hamilton you can just do the math i think i put it in my notes like we have 15 to 20 minutes left in this musical that's where we're at right now maybe 25 like something's got to happen because hamilton and burr gotta have a duel at some point and so you're you, this satisfies the the idea that we need to just leave where we are to get to somewhere slightly happier for a minute but also satisfies the narrative necessity like we got to get going like there's a hamilton's got to die at some point and we know that because they told it at the beginning and so i just really like this one line has all those layers to to move us forward even if you have forgotten the admission from earlier, I'm the damn fool that shot him. Like, even if you've forgotten that, you also just need that release in that moment. You know, you need the punctuation of getting out of the doldrums of that moment and getting back to some kind of levity. And the moment plays really well. That contrast between where you've been and the, uh, you know, and the handkerchief wiping away the tear, you know, with please. Like, it's just, it's a subtle joke that works really well. To break the tension there. No better person than David Diggs to deliver that line to. Like I just, <laughs> I think you could run a, I think you could run Hamilton a million times with a different cast every time. And I think in terms of line readings of the, can we get back to politics? I think David Diggs will probably be number one. I don't know if you find many better people for that. Yeah, and it's one of those moments in the show where I believe it's. It's one of those moments that plays with the fourth wall where I think that it's simultaneously the character and the performer saying that, where it's it's written to be that, you know? It's yeah. a very meta moment for me. And for one, it's redirecting the focus of the play, but it's also Jefferson trying to have his moment. So can right. we can we get back to me? Me, right. Me, absolutely. Yeah, the the, lay, the 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 layers per word count is very efficient with that line. I think if I was trying to describe it on like some kind of scale, the layers and the depth of meaning for the word count is very, very, um, very high there. Uh, we, we get a little bit of an update on John Adams. We don't need to talk about John Adams forever. I just enjoy <laughs> that John Adams gets completely dunked on this entire musical. Uh, the first we first we got John Adams doesn't have a real job anyways, and that was pretty funny. And then we got sit down, John, you fat motherfucker. And then this guy had to like be the next person after Washington, which I'm sure is a tough task for 
anybody. Like, I don't think, Mm -hmm. like, coming after Washington, you're just going to look bad regardless. And then we skip over his entire administration. (laughs) And the only update we get is John Adams shat the bed. I love the guy, but he's in traction. (laughs) So just pouring one out, it's really early where I am. So I don't have my whiskey out yet today. But if I did, (laughs) I'd pour one out for John Adams, unfortunate casualty of the musical Hamilton. It's not a good show for Johns, really. It's just <laughs> not. It's not kind on <laughs> no, Johns. No, no, no. Johns, Johns do not fare well. <laughs> I think it's an unfortunate or maybe, I don't know, delightful or, or all uh, side effect of what the play needs to focus on. And that administration... Uh, you know, at the beginning of the administration, Hamilton's out, right? And now we've been focused on his his personal life for a while. And it's just it's one of those things you've got to cut out of the show. And, and I, I'm not happy it's cut out. Or I'm not mad it's cut out. I'm happy yeah. it's not there. It, it's just funny. It would, it's just like a very funny like, well, while we're here with John Adams one last time, we might as well. Just dunk on him. like Dunk on know. him. Do a little bit of just a slight obituary. Like, yeah, he was here. He did stuff. Everyone dunked on him. He's gone now. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's bookended by two of the most interesting moments in the history of the American presidency. He, on the one hand, the first presidency with Washington, and on the other end, the explosive election of 1800 and all of its consequences. So, and he's like, he's just in the middle of this much more interesting sandwich. You know, where where the bread somehow tastes much, much better. <laughs> I wonder, and I know nothing about John Adams. Like, I'm not American, so that's probably helpful. But I would assume that a lot of Americans know next to nothing about John Adams compared to a lot of other presidents. I just wonder how much of this is, like, just the uh, like the unfortunateness of being between Washington and Jefferson more so than just being a bad president. Like, I don't know... I have no idea, but I wonder how much is just just un- it's unfortunate where he landed. Not so much that he was particularly bad. Yeah, my understanding. My understanding is that that's a more accurate assessment than he was just terrible. Because you know, we always remember the tragically bad ones. We would remember that, right? Yeah. You know, it's true. just you know the the play itself points this out really well. Uh, when King George says, "After Washington, they all look small." Yeah. And that was true. You know, oh, or I next to, to Washington. Add that to my John Adams yeah. Even the fucking yeah. guys out here you know, that, <laughs> that little guy that spoke to me, you know, he <laughs> I mean, he gets one in too. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, John. It's been poured out. John Adams shat the bed. He's gone. We <laughs> at least we covered it. I am I am enjoying the trend uh, in the notes you've prepared for this section of the questionable logic that goes throughout this entire number. Yeah, so I I have the biggest love-hate relationship with this number, or this section of the musical. So in the last section of the musical, I have quite a few actual problems with the, the writing when it comes to earning the forgiveness of Eliza. I just think we didn't spend enough time there to really understand it, which is oddly contrasted with Best of Wives and Best of Women, which does a really good and efficient job of showing us their relationship, that they are fully back together. It's cute. We'll talk about it when we get there. But 
Best of Wives and Best of Women shows that they know how to do the Eliza Hamilton relationship really efficiently to get us to where we need to be. And so even after that, I kind of go back. I mean, uh, the, the forgiveness part just doesn't quite work for me. In this song, everything really works for me. All the writing really works. The things they left out really work. But it does create just some interesting logic gaps that they just obviously don't want you to... They don't want you to interrogate them at all. And, and this this part of the musical goes so fast that it doesn't matter. And all of these little logic gaps are so unimportant that you can just skip over them and be totally fine. But there are some weird ones here. The first of which is, like, up until this point, the last couple of things that have happened have been, like, Aaron Burr, like, and we know Aaron Burr, like, rolling up with Jefferson, showing up to Hamilton's place to accost him for whatever fraud they want to accuse him of, right? Like, since when were you a Democratic Republican since being one put me on the up and up again? So Aaron Burr's just been part of the Jefferson squad. And okay, they're on different parties, right? Like, cool, there are opposite sides of this presidential election. You're like, okay, I guess. I don't know how this worked. Like, it's just a weird... If you think about it logically, we get zero... We, we get the transition from Burr to the other party. We just never get the transition back to how he could possibly be facing Jefferson in this election. So that just doesn't quite track for me, but I'm more than willing, unlike the last kind of section, I'm more than willing to just be fine with it to move along. Um, I don't want this musical to have a whole section where Burr transitions back. I think that would be super lame. Yeah, I think it, that it's a symptom of the speed with which the show has got to move right here. Yeah. And there's nuance that I that is left out. I think that the play still functions very well as is. There's just a little bit of nuance missing in that Burr and Jefferson are still in the same party. But when the Electoral College submitted the results of the vote, they did not designate who was getting votes for president or vice president. So the, so the decision within, so what you have, the open campaigning, that thing, this is actually Jefferson and Burr arguing to Congress and the Electoral College, arguing to them which one of them thinks they should be president. And so for the purposes of the show, right, it's kind of presented as if this is the general election. This happens after, like, one of them is going to be president and one of them is going to be vice president. They're both going to have a job. And it's, it's Hamilton that, that persuades everyone to say Jefferson should be president over Burr, right? And so, yeah, the, the party switching thing does on the surface seem like it's, it, it's very confusing and, and comes out of left field. Uh, but you just don't have time for that. You don't, you don't have time to get granular here. And I, I am like, like you said, I'm glad that they didn't because we've got to keep a clip right. going like just, at this point. It's so yeah. unimportant how exactly the minutia of election law worked in yeah. 1800. Right. The, the delegates are another one. When we get there, it's like, I, like almost back to back lines. It's like, right? It's a tie. It's up to Hamilton. You won in a landslide. And if you understand how the delegates work and how that process works, it mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. What they're referring to is just a landslide within the delegates that are now choosing yeah. after the general election. But what it appears is like the election's tied. Just kidding. Everyone voted. Like, it seems very 
if you're just if you just have a basic understanding of like oh there was an election for these two people this doesn't really track very well or make a lot of sense but more than happy to go along to get along we do not need to spend any time in this musical kind of kind of sorting it out but it, it yeah, it's worth pointing you, out that it doesn't track well you only really bump on it you only really take the time to think about it if you're doing an hour and a half episode about it and you have time to think about uh, this it was you know like, i had this hadn't even crossed my mind when i saw this for the first time like it, it just doesn't even right over the head doesn't matter like this is not something you're picking up on the first viewing to really like stick with you and ruin the end of this musical for you <laughs> like you're exactly yeah what's going on here is a really good uh the, the like i honestly uh, so and maybe it's because we were we were talking about star wars before we pressed record but it's a bit like in in a new hope they have the briefing scene for luke and they're explaining the plan to attack the death star and that's all the info you need. That's all the info that you get. And that's kind of similar to here. If we go into all that minutia, it's a bit like that briefing. They stop and explain how the X-Wings engines work. And right. then explain like what attack position is and wh why the wings go up. And, oh, look, it does look like an X, you know. But instead, it's <laughs> here's, here's a briefing scene. Let's, let's get to the landing strip. Let's, let's turn some sirens on. And, yeah. you know. Let's ma let's make doughy eyes at Han because he's so pretty. You know, yeah. it's like that's you got to keep moving. Once we get past that, and we're just we we just kind of accept the election as presented, and you don't think about it much more than that. A pristine job. This musical does have a couple challenges in the sense that there are some bits of it, like elections, like cabinet meetings, that they have to find fun ways of approaching. To make them engaging for the audience, right? Because you're you're contrasting it all with like the Battle of Yorktown, which is even nonstop, which is is a, is a lot of exposition. Like it's approached in a very fun way. So they're trying to find all these fun ways to get from kind of big set piece to big set piece. And elections could be super boring, right? Like it could mm -hmm. be, but instead it's not. I really love the contrast between the candidates here they're definitely presented as if they're in different parties. Like they present this as a general election for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Hercules talking to Jefferson about like how he's how he appears um, to some of the people in the north and how like like how he appears kind of stuck up and, you know, too high class and too out of touch. And then Jefferson's funny response is like, at least they know I know where France is like that's just so funny. And so it's mm -hmm. just really engaging. And then you get to the campaigning with Burr and that's also really engaging, like talk less, smile more. He's walking around. He's happy. It's a different Burr. And we get we get the explanation that he's kind of stealing some of this bravado from Hamilton or at least is kind of basing this on some of the lessons he's picked up from Hamilton. But the, the contrast between the candidates, you know, it's 1800 ladies, tell your husbands vote for Burr. Any line that brings me into the time is perfect, mm -hmm. right? I just, everything about how they approach this election in terms of making it fun and engaging and not too dense, but giving us the info we need, exquisitely done. I love that line because of where it puts us in history as well but i also feel as though that line benefits from what do we have in common we're reliable with the ladies that we already know that burr is a charmer you know he's a bit of a tomcat just like hamilton is and using that to his advantage um that's a, that's another like really efficient like top you know value over replacement line it's really like it's really good <laughs> all right
That would be a fun bonus episode is value over replacement lines yeah. in Hamilton. Because they're probably all subtle lines, like smaller ones. Mm-hmm. That would have the biggest... Anyways, that's a separate thing for a and there's a lot. And there's a lot here, too, right? I mean, just because of how efficiently they, they get through all of this time. Uh, you used to work on the same staff is a great one, too. Because Madison says that, and Jefferson knows exactly who he's talking about. Yeah. You know? I mean, it is... It's, it's lean. Uh... You want to talk about beer? <laughs> yeah. I, th- there's a few things here we have to get to. This is, it's a very lean song, but it's, it's very, very um, dense. The next thing we have is kind of this, this conundrum that Hercules brings up, where it's like, hey, we're stuck here. Mm-hmm. Like, what is our go-to plan, right? The, like, uh, let's read the lines here. Um, that's the problem. They see Burr as a less extreme you. You need to change course. A key endorsement might redeem you, right? And the way David Diggs acts this is very, very clever. But we're kind of getting to this conceit of maybe Hamilton, maybe Hamilton will come to your defense. And what I love about this, first off, the head shake, I put in all caps, right? Like, um... You know, a key endorsement right review. Who do you have in mind? Don't laugh. He used to work on the same staff. And David digs like his head shake when he realizes it's Hamilton is, is so good. But what are your thoughts on Hamilton? Because in my head, and I put this in the notes later, but watching this for the first time, you're thinking, there's no way Hamilton's going for Burr. After all, like after all this, right? Like Hamilton and after what we've watched with Jefferson and Hamilton, there's no way. So what are your thoughts on just the initial, like, is Hamilton the only option here? Cause it does seem a little strange for me for Hercules to go, you know, who's going to save us right now, Hamilton. And maybe it's the only person that can, but it's an interesting pick for me for them to go, you know what? Hamilton will be the one that gets us through, gets us over the line here. My evaluation of the moment and whether it's successful or not, and I have to be, you know, and I'm pretty good at, at maintaining objectivity, but I have to imagine that my ability to buy the moment and the delivery of it is that I know that it's just what happened, right? So right. I have to, like, I have to make sure that I'm separating going into the show with that knowledge ahead of time to really evaluate whether they, whether they convince me that it would happen, that it's believable. But when, when I endeavor to put all of that aside, it actually does work for me because of all the moments that we've had of conflict between Hamilton and Burr being about moral fiber, about, about actual character. Hamilton doesn't understand Burr's makeup as a person. He doesn't understand his morality. His disagreements with Jefferson have always been logical in a way and and i could get you know i could get some pushback with uh uh you know uh did you uh uh you know the we almost died in a trench while you were off getting high with the french like he uh he he does have some moral pushback to jefferson but i i take i take their disagreements as being more professional and i feel like hamilton would rather have someone in a position of leadership that he considers an intellectual challenger, even better an intellectual equal. Although I don't know if Hamilton would ever agree that he has one, 
right? Right. No, 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 this presentation of Hamilton's pick, the way they put this Hamilton character on stage that I've seen throughout this musical, I get it because Hamilton is going to choose conviction every time, even to his own self-detriment. We've seen that, you know? He's going to choose what he believes to be the noble path and he believes that Jefferson's willing to take stances is more uh, noble, more upright than Burr's constant waffling. Yeah, you know, I, wa- waiting for which way the winds will blow. Right? Yeah, they do a really good job. The execution of like just the build up to Hamilton's vote, obviously done for dramatic effect, but you mm-hmm. know the the build up to that and the explanation Hamilton explains his choice and it makes a lot of sense. But you're just g- going into this for the first time. When I was sitting in the theater and I knew nothing of Hamilton, I knew nothing of the election of 1800. Right? I just thought he'd go for Burr, not in a word, not in a way that I imagine like there's zero chance he would ever go for Jefferson. Not like that. Not in a way mm-hmm. that it was unbelievable. But just if I had, if I was a betting man in the theater, sitting there watching this for the first time, someone gives me a million dollars and goes, we're pausing the musical right now before Hamilton decides. Who is he mm-hmm. going for? Right? Maybe it's 51-49. Maybe it's 60-40. I would have said Burr. And so mm-hmm. for me, this works even better because it's a, a subversion of my expectation in a yeah, way that sure. la- in a way that lands perfectly. So maybe I'm just very specific to this because I didn't know anything about this election. Mm-hmm. But as someone who didn't, I actually think this moment landed better for me because I didn't already know it was going to happen. So I got the experience of having my expectations subverted in a really fun way, which was just awesome. Yeah, I was about to ask about that, actually. I was going to eject into uh asking you whether that made it more enjoyable or took you out of the moment and it sounds oh, like it really played for you more yeah. enjoyable like because th- like i'm also an election nerd like i love this kind of stuff and so when you because uh, the other thing you're working with here is again the timer's counting down you know that so, like hamilton has to do something here to make burr really mad at him because up until this point, like we get the sense that they're not like best of friends, but I don't get the sense that within the next 20 minutes, uh, Burr's going to shoot him. And so there mm-hmm. needs to be something that happens in the next 10 minutes. So this must be it. And so you're like, wait a minute. Is this it? Is this it? Is he going to go for... Je-? Yeah, absolutely. I was like edge of my seat. Super into this. I, I think not knowing at all about how any of this worked and mm-hmm. just knowing that this must be the thing that Burr gets super uppity about. Um, I think I think it landed really well for me, having not known and just subverted my expectation in a in a fun way. Part of that subversion, I think, is if you're watching it instead of listening to it, you get to see Hamilton with a solid take down to Burr the entire time. We've got that lead up, and he's he's focused on Burr. Yeah, and it does it does seem as though he's made his decision towards Burr already because he's already directing his attention to him. And then when he says Jefferson has my vote whilst looking at Burr, that look at Burr turns, for me, it almost turns to condemnation. And it feels like Hamilton is lecturing Burr in that moment. And 
you know, because he's up on the gallery, upstage center, he's quite literally talking down to Burr. Yeah, but it feels absolutely. like he's he's chastising him. He's he's you know treating him like a child in that moment. You know, he didn't. Once again, Hamilton didn't need to say all of that shit. He could have stopped with Jefferson has my vote, but he's Hamilton. I've so, never agreed with Jefferson once. <laughs> once yeah, you're not yeah. Y- y- he's not going to use one word when 100 will do. <laughs> this this section of the musical also very suspiciously fun for karaoke. Another subversion. You wouldn't think it is, but it mm. is a very fun anyways. Um there's there's so much in the middle that, that I just that I just want to spend some time with really quick. I love the ensemble. We get to hear some of the ensemble voices for the first and last time in this musical, but it, it plays really funny. We're gonna get one more like uh, Adams dunk in here. Um, I don't like Adams. Well, he's gonna lose. That's just defeated. <laughs> like just just everyone knowing, yeah, this guy's fucked. He's not winning mm-hmm. at all. Um, uh, the way the ensemble goes like in love with France is very funny, right? Um, I've heard from a few different theater people that that the ensemble usually spend a lot of time like they only get one or two lines and they try and inject like it's not so much of like you just have to read your lines like they're trying to get their whole character out in two lines like they have a backstory for their character they have a thing they want to portray in those couple of Mm -hmm. lines so i think the way the in love with france is delivered i just want to give the credit to the ensemble i think they do a very good job with the limited lines they have of really being a fully fleshed out part of the show and not just the ensemble covering a few lines while everyone else moves around um which is awesome and then i like the little bit of celebrity where we're with so far we have Hamilton as a celebrity that we know is the celebrity. And the Mariah Reynolds thing kind of dives into that a little bit slightly, but you don't really get this. You don't really get this, this kind of modern day style of celebrity until this part here, right? I like that Aaron Burr. I can't believe we're here with him. He seems approachable. Like you could have a beer with him. I mm-hmm. love that. This is gen- like Burr. Cause we only see Burr like either through what he's trying to say, like I want to be in the room w- where it happens and all that, or through how the other characters feel about him, but getting this chance before Burr shoots Hamilton to see how like normal people like who are voting in an election, right. Feel about him is, is a very nice different perspective shift that I enjoy. And the ensemble with these like four lines, kill it. Absolutely kill it. I want to circle back to one of those couplets real quick because there is a duality here that I appreciate. The first of all, the I can't believe we're here with him implies that he's often not easy to get access to. I can't believe we're here with him means that this is unlikely to occur. It means I'm surprised that we're actually breathing the same air. The next line is he seems approachable like I could get a beer with him. And now he's just every man. So in these, to different people, he's either a celebrity or he's a commoner. And this right here, I love it because to me, it evokes the duality of Burr, the shiftiness, how he is, every, he, he is trying to be everything to everyone. And this is just another reason why Hamilton will not choose him. Oh, and, who, is, who is that senator from New York that gives me Burr vibes? Uh, Gillibrand. I feel like it's a very New yeah. York thing. Gillibrand is another person who successfully pulls off the flip-flop. Not everyone mm-hmm. successfully pulls it off, but I think, I can't remember her first, Kirsten Gillibrand, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's one of those politicians that successfully pulls off the flip-flop every once in a while. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Every, that's just everything another, I just, to I everyone. Just, I'm just naming things I know about New York. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I'm doing here. <laughs> 
So, but, you know, despite all of the, the things that people like about Burr, and it is nice to have this this moment where he gets celebrated. Uh, unfortunately, Jefferson has beliefs, and yeah. that's the only thing you need to vote I, for somebody. Yeah, I do want to talk about beer quickly, though. So there's yeah. two points in this musical, in this section of songs. So I just want to give a little PSA to the audience here. I'm assuming most people listening to this are old enough to vote, and they have either voted or not voted before, depending on whether they chose to. There are a few good reasons to vote for people, but there are two reasons that sound great. They're actually terrible reasons. (laughs) They both happen in this musical, which is fine. They happen in real life, too. You should never vote for somebody based on whether you think they would be cool to have a beer with. I understand the appeal. I understand voting for someone with a little charisma that seems approachable, that seems understanding, like they're a good listener, like they could empathize with you, like you could sit down at the pub and over a couple hours really get to know each other, have a pint. I understand that. In terms of governing an entire fucking country, (laughs) in terms of qualifications for that job and the ability to do that job well, seeming like you could have a beer with people is so far down the list of qualifications that it really shouldn't be that much of a consideration. So I I just caution people that if you don't know who to vote for and you're stuck between a couple of different people and you go, ah, that guy seems like I have a beer with him, that, that, need, that need not be your deciding factor. It can be a factor, but it should probably not be the first priority. And I hear that a lot. We just had a federal election in Canada and it's shocking how many people don't think about voting past you know what? I like that guy. He seems approachable, right? Ah, oh, he seems down to earth. Let's vote for him. Being down to earth does not help you govern a country. It might be a factor. There are a lot of down to earth people that would be shit at running a country and a lot of not down to earth people that would do a much better job. So I just want to say, think about it a little bit past the beer part. There's more to it than that. That's all. That's my PSA. I agree with you completely. I mean, we all know that you should make your voting decisions based on what kind of watch they wear. <laughs> that was also really good. That was very funny. There was a, for the viewers, there's an ad. There was an ad in Canada in our federal election that had, uh, it was an ad for the conservative party. And it was a very funny ad because it had Aaron O'Toole, who was the conservative leader, and he was wearing an Apple Watch, which was like five or six hundred dollars. They had the other leaders, Justin Trudeau and Jugmeet Singh from the other main parties, wearing their kind of fancy Rolexes or whatever. And the whole conceit of the ad was you should vote for Aaron O'Toole because he is like us and wears normal watches, and they are the elite that wear their fancy watches. Again, much like the beer thing, please do not vote for anyone based on what watch they wear. (laughs) Ever. 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 It tells you nothing about the person. It tells you nothing about how they're going to run your country. It tells you nothing about the policy goals they are trying to achieve. The world is burning, and like we're electing people to like do something about that. (laughs) And like boiling that down to just like, oh man, the watch is like... uh, Again, it can be a factor. It can be a factor. It's not something you shouldn't ever consider, but it's just not the main one. It's just not the main one, you know? Also, the absurdity of alleging that an Apple Watch is the marker of you belonging to the blue-collar community, you know? That's true, too. That's right. 
and it's still like six, seven hundred dollars for an Apple yeah, Watch. Absolutely, you know? it's very. I bought mine a year ago, and it was around five hundred fifty Canadian. 600 Canadian? Yeah, yeah. Like, not yeah. a not a super affordable amount for just an everyday Canadian. Anyways. Yeah. And I, I you know, I'm not judging anybody. I, I think they're a really cool piece of kit. Uh, but they're not... They're... You know, they're not cheap. <laughs> all right. All right. That was a little Canadian election stuff for you guys who are listening and probably tuning out right now. Um, before Hamilton... <laughs> Before Hamilton casts his decisive vote, <laughs> I really love, I love, 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 love so much because this is another example of, I know they can have done this more efficiently and it bothers me that they didn't with the forgiveness part, that they just spend a little bit of time, just a small bit of time showing that Hamilton also almost has to be like accosted into doing this. Mm-hmm. Like all of his mm-hmm. party supporters have to like go uptown and find him. And how Hamilton, he's kind of found peace with being uptown, right? Like, Eliza, do you like it uptown? It's quiet uptown comes, like, right at the end of that song. And you, they've kind of settled in, and he's out of politics. And even Jefferson's like, poor Alexander Hamilton, he is missing in action. Like, he's kind of resigned to it. He's, he's off. He's doing his thing, right? And the fact that they have to go and, like, find him and bring him back. Like, come on! You're coming back! Like, and then he's, then he's even trying, it's quiet uptown. Like, leave me alone. Like, I don't want... Right? <laughs> It's a small bit of time, but it's efficient storytelling, and I know they know how to do this really well. And this is done really well. And I, I just like how they don't have him just, just show back up. They just show some other people in his party, some random ensemble people, to go and like bring him back for this moment. I think says a lot, even though it's just such a small thing. Yeah, it is efficient, but you do you get the feeling that Hamilton is very happy and has taken up knitting or something. <laughs> He's done, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine him. Right. I, I think I think Alexander Hamilton missed out on the part of life like in, in this where he could have just been an author. Like he could have had a whole like for two things. He could have just had a book deal. Right. Like he would have made bajillions for a book deal in 2021. But also mm-hmm. he probably could have just wrote actual like fiction novels. Yeah. Or poetry. Yeah. Or yeah, wrote, I th- you know, beautiful poems, you know. Yeah, or he could have th- just ran the bank that he started whatever happened with like you know i he could have got a job at a think tank i think he missed the most prosperous kind of post-election he's just uptown knitting i think he missed his he he was born in the wrong time alexander hamilton he would have had a very lucrative career post politics in, in 2021 yeah, he could have run a uh, very uh, highly influential political action committee. Yeah, can you, know, you imagine like his co- Twitter account? Can you imagine <laughs> Hamilton's Twitter account? No tweets. No, only, no, only because thre- you... Only threads. Like, it would just it be... Would only threads. Yeah. Only threads. Yeah. Hamilton would get a Twitter, <laughs> but after they changed the character... The, the after limit. they expanded the character limit, yeah. Right, absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, so he has to go be accosted into voting a little bit. Not that he wouldn't have anyway and all that, but like it, I like that he like people have to go get him and bring him back for this. Uh, I also like that like they're the within the party there, they're just setting the stakes for the audience. Like Jefferson or Burr, we know it's lose lose. Jefferson or Burr, but if you had to choose, kind of priming us for like this isn't a good choice for Hamilton, but he has to make one. Um, I think sets the stakes in a really fun, quick, easy way for the the Mm -hmm. vote that's about to come up. And it really shows us that he is the one to decide by including the ensemble, by including the voices of the people, by hearing Hamilton agree that he understands what's going on, 
the people need to hear my voice. It confirms, yes, he is the, he has been crowned with the responsibility of choosing. He's the, he, he will, he will not be president, but he's the president maker now. Yeah, he's the kingmaker. Mm-hmm. He is indeed. Like, not at the right hand of the father anymore, but still very much occupying that kind of like social role in kind of making like the Tywin Lannister of sorts. We're like, you're not the king. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> semantics, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, before that happens, very fascinating interaction here between Hamilton and Burr, and there's a lot to kind of dissect about this. But also, I think there's a lot that's ambiguous, and I love that it's a little ambiguous because people are are complicated, um, and, and people have feelings that are sometimes a little bit irrational or don't quite line up. Um, Hamilton and Burr kind of square up a little bit like well if it isn't aaron burr sir um hamilton after coming back from town's like oh dude you've created quite a stir that's interesting um can we talk about how burr invented campaigning like what the fuck it was not done right it was i don't i don't even know about real life but like just within the canon of the musical yeah. Burr invents campaigning like what were elections like just based on reputation like is that literally i guess it was only the john adams election but like it was gauche to be ambitious. It was not good to have ambition to want to lead. So the the proper and gentlemanly thing to do was to be nominated by someone else, have them talk you into running, and you do it begrudgingly. No, 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 I don't want I don't want that. I'm not ambitious. It was because that was it, it was prideful to advocate for yourself. And that was that was uh, frowned upon, right? So the idea that you would go around trying to convince people to vote for you, advocating for yourself, that was ve- that was very brazen. That was that was very bold and kind of that was you're you're a bit of a you're you're a bit of a, a rapscallion doing that. And so <laughs> it's actually it's actually kind of great that he says I I learned what you know. Uh, I'm doing whatever it takes, and I learned that from you because it is a very bold, brazen Hamilton thing. There are, are there's so much here that I just love. There, the, that hey, I don't live near a train station. I just heard a fucking train. Can you just calm down? Sorry, sorry, audience. <laughs> there's a train apparently approaching my neighborhood on tracks that I'm not sure I know where they exist. Anyways. Um, well, you better hope that it's still on tracks. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, be- I hope so. I'm going to have a train barreling through my house. I, I don't know if you probably can't hear it with the noise gate, but it's very loud. Um, Hamilton and Burr, a little bit of a confrontation here. Not really, though, but a little bit of a confrontation. Um, and he asks, is there anything you wouldn't do? And then Burr says, oh, I want to get exactly. No, I'm chasing what I want. And you know what? I learned that from you. Again, we have this relationship where if they just calmed the fuck down, they could learn so much from each other, they would make each other better. But they are, like, determined to just have this grudge against each other that spirals into Hamilton being killed later, right? But I find I do find it a little bit strange that Hamilton is so kind of antagonistic towards this approach, considering earlier what, what he pulled... 
from Burr, again, a person that he finds immoral or whatever, or a person that he finds lacks character or a backbone or opinions or all of these types of things. When it was suitable to Hamilton, right, Hamilton pulled the talk less, smile more mantra to get what he wanted. So it is a little bit strange for me for Hamilton to be so kind of against this approach from Burr. And I understood it when it was the Senate seat because his father-in-law was in that Senate seat. So it's hard to disassociate. But for this, I'm surprised Hamilton doesn't go, you know what? Well played. Like maybe, maybe even if I don't vote for you, I'm, I'm probably still picking Jefferson, but like, you know what? Fair play, interesting approach. Well, like I'm surprised Hamilton doesn't find it almost endearing because this is definitely what he would do. <laughs> It makes it, in my opinion, a little bit just even more so tragically poetic that they can never truly get in sync. And, you know, later we will get my best friend, my enemy. Like, they do have, he he claims that they, or my first friend, my enemy. I was going to say, it it's is. first friend, because I know you don't yeah. like that line. And I really like that line, and I'm excited for when we get to it. And And I don't, but that's what he believes in that moment, yeah. right? And so... It wasn't his first friend. Fucking wasn't. But anyway, but that's what he in that moment he anyway, later. Uh it is it is unfortunate. This is another indication of of the the inevitable sadness of their time together, right? Because it's just they can't they can't sync up. They and and they won't. They they will not fall in line with each other. And to your point, you have to wonder. Would Hamilton have approved if it was someone other than Burr doing it? Is he just shitting on Burr? Yeah, you know that's like, my head cannon is absolutely yeah. Because this feels very ham, I like this feels very Hamilton to me. And Hamilton also is not a dumb person. Like he understands how this works, right? Mm. Because he did the same thing in reverse earlier in this musical, right? So he understands how this works. But also, I find it doubly strange because Hamilton keeps trying to get Burr to be like this. Mm -hmm. right like when they're trying to figure out the constitution he's trying to get bird to be more like him right and so he's he's a little bit grumpy the whole musical because burr's not like him so what now that burr is more like him and doing something that he pulled from the hamilton playbook of being hamilton hamilton's like ah nah i actually hate that that's not fun and it's like okay and i i don't think it doesn't work i think it works wonderfully i just find it's it's just a little surprising to me that Hamilton yeah. chooses the other path instead of the, you know what, fair play. For sure. Although, I do wonder if maybe Hamilton's preference is that you wouldn't be doing it openly door-to-door, -door, right? Because with the Federalist Papers, they were published under a pseudonym, and Hamilton was not claiming public credit. And... It, it may be, it's the... It's the it maybe, maybe what we learn here is that the boldness of going door to door and asking for votes, maybe that's even beyond what Hamilton would do. Because, sure, he's vocal, right? But he, you know, Hamilton has, has usually used the power of his pen to get influence, to get what he needs, right? And so maybe that's, maybe the Hamilton playbook happens on paper. It doesn't happen openly campaigning door to door. That it feels very Hamilton to me, though. I agree with you. I'm just trying to like, what is, yeah, like, what's their, like, what is the, 
what's the psychology? What's the decision they made in the rehearsal hall for like why this why this version of Hamilton makes the call to not approve of Burr here? I think I think you it know? does make sense. I think people do this yeah, all the time in plays. real life where it's like I'm allowed to do something, but you're not allowed to do that same thing. Right. Right. I I think that's just a thing people do all the time. So I'm not again. It doesn't not work for me. I think it works wonderfully. Mm-hmm. I I just do find it slightly surprising that Hamilton had, didn't in real life or in the musical take the kind of opposite approach and go, hey. You know, I'm not going to vote for him. But yeah, I, I just, I just don't think there's any. There's not a world where Burr makes Hamilton happy. It just doesn't yeah, I, exist. I think it's the. I think there's a determination to just not quite connect, to not quite make it work. Um, which you know what ends up being more unfortunate for Ham. Actually, maybe the lesson of the musical is that it was more unfortunate for Burr. That's the conversation for the end of the. The musical, but I think maybe one of the lessons of the musical is that it actually was worse for Burr than Hamilton at the end of the whole thing. Um, well, I have I have copious thoughts, but I think I should save them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for uh, the opportune moment. It's time for Hamilton to vote. The staging of this could not be more clear. Burr on one side of the stage, Jefferson on the other. People in the middle. Hamilton right up top, in charge with this vote. Uh, he does a little bit of explaining. Uh, people are asking to hear my voice. The country is facing a difficult choice. I don't think there's been a single election where people haven't framed the election as a difficult choice because that is how you get votes and stuff. Um, <laughs> love the line. If you were to ask me who I'd promote, wait for it. Jefferson has my vote. The whole build up to the line, like we're, we're, we're climbing, we're climbing, we're pausing. And then the hammer drops, and it's for Jefferson. And like I said, this was very surprising to me from a narrative standpoint, or just from a, no, sorry, a logical standpoint, because I thought, you know, when all is said and all is done, I, I, think, I thought he would have gone for Burr. Narratively, it makes perfect sense, because we got 10 minutes to get to <laughs> where Hamilton's being murdered by Burr, so <laughs> something's got to happen here. Um, but the whole staging of it, right? The fact that Burr... Like, it almost freezes him in time. That reaction, like, Leslie Odom with the perfect kind of reaction shot. Jefferson, too, doesn't overdo it, right? He kind of steps back, and he's like, whoa, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting that. But he doesn't, like, he doesn't, like, earlier, he doesn't run around and go, like, ha, ha, ha. Like, he, he doesn't overdo it. Like, Jefferson's reaction is perfect for him, but a little bit muted. But Burr, same look, doesn't divert from where he's looking. He's looking up into the fucking light system somewhere like he's he's looking into the solar system somewhere right and he looks all hopeful and then once that comes in like the perfect facial acting to go from hopeful to just understanding that he's that that's it that's the nail in the coffin right but without actually diverting his gaze or moving or anything just very nice work here to really portray all of the feelings and emotions without a lot of fanfare on on stage yeah, Odom's transformation in that moment when the hammer drops is really something else because the expression on his face before, when he's looking out, you can see on his face, he is seeing President Aaron Burr in lights in the sky. Yeah, like he's, he's seeing it, you know? And then he's just immediately crestfallen. He's just destroyed. Yeah. And great it's, great it's, moment it's... of performance. Great performance, very subtle. Some of the hardest stuff to perform is, is that. And it, it's just incredibly well done. Um, it's, it sucks that all, it sucks that in when you watch it live, depending on your seats, you actually don't get that, right? Like I don't mm. like I was far enough in the back in the cheap seats <laughs> to not really get the full mm-hmm. emotionality of that moment. Um, 
But hey, you know what? That's okay. Um, so while all that's happening, while Burr is kind of descending into despair from just hoping, well, Jefferson's kind of understanding that he's now going to win, um, Hamilton explains himself, which is hilarious. I have never agreed with Jefferson once. That's a bad start for someone you're going to make president. But anyways, um, we have fought on like 75 different fronts. But when all is said and all is done, Jefferson has beliefs. Burr has none. Now, for Hamilton, this works, I think, right? Like It works for me that he ends up choosing Jefferson for this reason. But we're about to start episode two of uh, Bradley's Caution when voting for people. <laughs> there are people, a lot of people, that have a lot of beliefs out there. And those people with lots of their beliefs will try and uh, assume positions of power. There's a lot of people with bad beliefs, though, <laughs> that are not preferable to people with no beliefs. Um, someone very famous, you might know, Hitler had lots of beliefs. Lots of them, and they were very bad. Right? And so I would caution people that purely on the basis of one person having concrete beliefs and the other being a little wishy-washy, not a good reason to vote for them. Now, in this case, it's fine because we understand the spectrum we're playing within. But just in general, just be cautious. Some of the worst people ever were very bad specifically because they had strong beliefs. Just a caution. Anyways, <laughs> Hamilton makes his pick. Jefferson is going to be the president. And the reasoning, he has beliefs. Thoughts? It calls to mind one of the drier but funnier jokes from the big lebowski uh say what you want about the tenets of national socialism at least it's an ethos <laughs> you know <laughs> and that's right. kind of where where hamilton is is falling down here my my thoughts are i do agree with you but it's also just exactly what hamilton would do like jefferson is a man of conviction and therefore hamilton has to choose him hamilton will choose conviction every time I it's fascinating. It's fascinating because we had the cabinet battles. We had the we know. We had the Reynolds pamphlet stuff. Like we had all that, right? Where Jefferson mm -hmm. was easily the more outwardly antagonistic person towards him, mm -hmm. right? Like he has a beef with Burr, but his beef with Jefferson was worse or at least more kind of. Even that moment when he thinks Jefferson is resigned, he's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to go to the press. We'll see what I can do to him. Right, and to go from all the way over there to picking him purely because he has conviction, it is what Hamilton would do. I'm not sure I'd track. I'm not sure I I would have done that. I think I would have gone for Burr here. I think I he believes that Jefferson is the better pick for the nation that Hamilton feels partly responsible for. Hamilton absolutely gives him credit for establishing this nation that we still get to build he considers himself a caretaker of the young america right and even if jefferson is worse to him than burr is he believes that jefferson is better for america than burr would be sure yeah yeah i i, I think it tracks it's, it's just a fun thing to try and parse yeah. the psychology because you only get it for like this is what happens in two minutes in this musical so you only right. get that brief, like trying to then extrapolate the psychology of, of getting to where we got to is, is really fun. Uh, yeah, Madison, we could have 
we could have had a moment of Hamilton walking in his garden, pondering, right. you pondering know, the- <laughs> debating the the goods and bads of each one. Yeah, um, <laughs> Madison's like, "Holy shit, dude! F- fucking worked, man! <laughs> well, I'll be damned." Hamilton's on your side, which I don't know if he's on your side as much as he's just not on Burr's side. But hey, mm-hmm. a win's a win. We'll take the vote. Things are things are looking up for Jefferson. But I just like that reaction because like the line is, well, I'll be damned. But the internal monologue's like, fucking hell. I did not think that was going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. It's like having a really bad plan, but because it worked out, does that make it a good plan? Who knows? But it worked, so whatever. Um, well, I love it because I feel like Madison is on the hook here if Hamilton picks Burr. Right, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Madison's like sitting there fucking sweating like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. That's this exactly is... what I, that line yeah. says so much to me that I've just headcanoned a whole like Burr or uh, uh, Madison just sitting there like freaking out like holy shit this was my yeah. idea is this gonna work ah yeah uh, Madison is the guy who is like convincing the head coach to put special teams in to fake a punt and it's right. like it's gonna work I promise it's gonna, it's gonna promise work you. yeah this yeah. hail mary is a, it's a standard play high success rate we've got this exactly yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, I find this next bit of musical theater to be the most interesting part of this entire musical. And I will no stand way. by. I will stand no, by. All right. I will, the most, like, just interesting choice was made here. Right? Whether it tracks with real life or not, I have no idea. But the next 30 seconds after this moment is, is just, I never stop thinking about it when I watch this musical again and again. Because it works for me perfectly, but I have no idea why that is. Burr, fairly enthusiastically, like the choice to have Burr fairly enthusiastically walk over to Jefferson and be like, howdy, what's up, dude? I'm going to be your vice president. This is going to be sick. You know what? Fair play. You won. Like the choice to have him have a moment where he's not even that mad about the whole situation, or at least he doesn't appear to be. Right, where he appears actually to be pretty okay. Like, the vice president's a come up, right? You can turn that into a presidency later on, right? Like, it's not the worst situation to land yourself in. So he goes over to Jefferson. He's like, hey, I'm looking forward to our partnership. This is going to be fun. And then Jefferson, like, laughs in his face, rather disrespectful, quite outwardly rude. Like, not only is this not going to be a a relationship, I'm actually going to change the rules so this never happens again. That's how much (laughs) I don't want you to be my vice president. Um Mm -hmm. But it almost plays like it's Jefferson's reaction to Burr that makes Burr then mad at Hamilton. It doesn't feel like there's a direct... And to me, there's just a direct link. You wanted to be president. Mm -hmm. Hamilton fucked with you. And now you're not the president. And that's why you're mad. But they choose to intersect this middle... They choose to throw this middle point in here for just a moment... Where Bird doesn't actually seem mad or angry or frustrated at all. And I just find it to be a fascinating choice. And I've never been able to dial in exactly how I feel about it. But you could have skipped this. You could have just Mm -hmm. not... If you just took this out of the musical, I think it works just as well. It's a choice to leave it in, right? Like, we don't need to know about the when exactly the vice president rule changed to be the... Right, like we don't need this moment of of Jefferson being antagonistic towards Burr. If you had just played it as if... Oh, Burr lost. Jefferson's the president, and so he's mad at Hamilton. 
I would have believed it as well. So I just mm -hmm. find this choice to put this moment in here fascinating because it's not necessary, which means it's there for a reason. And trying to figure out exactly what that reason is, I've always just, I find it to be the most interesting choice out of all the, the choices in quotations made for, for dramatic effect to make this a musical instead of like a boring history lesson. This choice is the most interesting to me because I have a that hard is a time. a specific niche moment that's your most interesting in the whole show. Like it's yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I'm so sorry I, I cut you off. No, I just can't figure it out. I just can't. Yeah, I, 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 it just always leaves me something to ponder. Like, is Burr actually that mad at Hamilton? Or is it that now Burr has been knocked down twice? Like, Hamilton fucked them. And now Jefferson, like, if he had just been able to be the vice president, like, that's still a win compared to where he's at, maybe, to him. Right? He's still climbing. He gets to be in more rooms where things happen. Right? Um, but, yeah, I always wondered, like, what role does Jefferson have in, in the canon of the musical in turning Burr towards Hamilton. Cause it kind of seems like after that moment is when Burr starts diving deep. Like we do to write all of the, to look back and go, right. Like in every place I've checked, the only common thread has been your disrespect. So I'm just wondering what the correlate, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say other than I really like this choice. I haven't quite landed on how I feel about it after all this time, but it's a choice. Those are those are all intriguing thoughts. I believe that this moment is, is put here partly to, to satisfy the complexity of the character that is Burr because I mean, he very much is right. So we get, we get to double down on being defeated. Like you're saying once by Hamilton, then by Jefferson. I think that he is, immediately angry and immediately sad and he's putting up a front when he goes to jefferson like when he when he goes to beat jefferson he's like he's all right let me take my all right like he's covering up the fact that he's devastated is is i think one possibility there but it is interesting to think that had jeff that had jefferson handled himself better with burr Burr might have left Hamilton alone. Like, isn't it interesting to think that like Burr gets so hot in that moment? He's like, well, I can't exactly shoot the president. I'm going after Hamilton. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's just a lot there. It leaves it fully. Cause even, even, even figuring out that Burr is putting up a front is just something you put in. Like, that's not what the musical is showing us. Right. That is something you're, or that we're taking from it. Yeah, that's so just my supposition, assuming, you know, it's yeah, just possible. Yeah, we're assuming yeah. that's happening. But that, the musical shows us like a happiest tits burr going mm -hmm. up to Jefferson being like, hey, vice president. And Jefferson being like, nah, dude, you campaigned against me. And this is like Mean Girls, so you're done. So, right? Like, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I, I like it. It works for me. But it adds a layer of complexity that I haven't been able to fully, I'm still in the maze with this choice. I'll get out yeah. of it eventually, but I'm still I'm still in the maze. Jefferson comes off as very petty here. Very Burr, Burr yeah. when you see Hamilton, thank him for the endorsement. That is cruel. Yeah, it's just yeah. I think, but that's what I mean. Like it's these are choices because this whole section does not need to be here. Mm -hmm. You could jump from Jefferson, like you could jump from the voting moment to just your obedient servant, and it flows perfectly. 
So that it, inserting this choice, like inserting this moment, is meant to tell us something, and I haven't figured out what that thing is. Because it tracks perfectly without it. So I'm wondering where they want us to follow along in this choice. And there's a lot of different pathways, and all of them are cool. I'm just trying to pick the one that I want to headcanon as my... I think the dramatic consequence of Burr's anger being really jump-started by Jefferson instead of Hamilton makes the ending more beautifully tragic in a way. And darker yeah, in I a think way. So. Yeah. I think that that is an, a very engaging way to view this moment. Yeah. Well, that, that's all I got on the election of 1800. That was an hour and 16 minutes. Hell yeah. Awesome. I, I have a couple <laughs> I have a couple small things. Um yeah. when uh when in the intro we have the last uh Hamilton on your side refrain. Um and we get the ensemble involved. The first one to cross by Burr is the bullet. Oh, cool. And, yeah. And she stay she stays near him for a while. And I think that this is an interesting staging choice because it's Hamilton getting involved with Jefferson that whether it's whether it's Burr being mad at Jefferson or Hamilton or both, getting Hamilton on Jefferson's side is what ultimately sets Burr and Hamilton down their path towards Hamilton dying. So I think, you know, uh, having having the bullet involved here is useful storytelling for that. And I also I think it's possible. And, you know, because I subscribe to the idea that the bullet is the bullet is present, you know, not to 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 connote negative consequences for Hamilton. But here it could also signify the death of Burr's political career. There. I think yeah. is 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 possible here, and I think it's just uh, an elegant staging choice to have her appear here. I clocked it, and I was like, "Good call, y'all." Uh, and then there is just one, you know, talking about the staging in this number, circling back uh, to earlier. There is one live move like you down on the ensemble with Hamilton's uh, "Yo, the people are oh. asking to hear my," and it's just that is such a a just a big straight up like hip hop punch moment in the lighting there that is just like, that's how you make an election interesting. You stage it like that. That is right. just so engaging. So good. All right. And that is the election of 1800. As we all know, the last election that sucked and had terrible consequences. <laughs> Play the jingle. <laughs> The jingle is happening. We're moving on. If you are enjoying this deep dive, be sure to check out the Let's Dive Deep Facebook group and also our Let's Dive Deep Patreon page. With Connor and I both committing to more Let's Dive Deep projects, including Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter, which will be hitting your feeds in December, we wanted to create a place for the whole Let's Dive Deep community to hang out regardless of which deep dive you are listening to. The Facebook group should be a fun place for all of us to talk about the podcast, other pop culture things we're excited about, and well, anything else really. 
To have access to the Facebook group, all you gotta do is head to facebook.com slash groups slash let's dive deep. There will be a question that says, I solemnly swear that I am up to no, and all you have to type in is good, and that will give you access to the Facebook group. And once you're in there, you're, you're free to chat with me, with Connor, with everybody else in the Let's Dive Deep community that's over there, and it should be an awesome time. Over on our Patreon page, which is separate from our Facebook group, we have set up some behind-the-scenes early access and bonus content for listeners who are enjoying the deep dives and would like to support the podcast directly. Starting at around $3 per month, roughly a cup of coffee, you will receive early access to all of our podcasts, and from there we have other tiers set up if you would like to see our show notes for each episode, which are very, very funny, um, be credited as a producer, producer on the show, and unlock bonus podcast shorts, which will be starting with Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter. The Patreon link can also be found in the show notes, or you can head to patreon.com slash letsdivedeep to check everything out and see if that's for you. If neither the Facebook group or the Patreon page are for you, just thank you so much for being here, listening to the podcast, and just enjoying the deep dives. We really, really appreciate taking your time, you know, two to three hours per episode to do that. Uh, the Facebook page and the Patreon page are just there for people who are extra enjoying them and want to be part of the broader Let's Dive Deep community. Otherwise, though, I think it's time for us to head back into our Hamilton deep dive. We are back with uh, your obedient servant. This song, so I have a fun relationship with this song because before I ever watched Hamilton live, I read the Outlander novels, which you are listening to this may or may not have read. I'm not in the demographic that normally reads the Outlander novels, but they are very good novels and more people should read them and people should stop gatekeeping them as like for 45 year old women because they're fantastic novels if you just broaden your mind a little bit. Every time I tell someone I've read Outlander, they're like, what? Those are for moms. No, they're good books. Anyways, I've also watched the show Outlander, both of which were my first introduction to the idea that people genuinely used to sign all of their correspondence with your obedient servant, which I think is awesome. I think in real life, like at the end of my emails, I'll put like, yours truly, best, sincerely, I think we should, duels and your obedient servant should come back. It was my two things that I want to pull from Hamilton into 2021. Because this shit is hilarious. And they use this to maximum effect. It is almost like they understand how ridiculous it sounds to an audience in 2021 to actually correspond with people, even people you despise as your obedient servant. So they take that and they go, this is inherently really funny to the audience that's going to watch this musical. How do we make it even funnier? And to have Burr and Hamilton like both at their desk, like, oh, I hate you, I hate you. Your obedient servant, A.Ham. And they even like make the A.Burr and the A.Ham like fun. Like it climbs up like A.Burr, do, 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 do. Like it's all like grumpy and mad and oh, we're going to shoot each other. And then it's like your obedient servant. Like they're not, a, that, that's not true. That is not true. And so I just, I find the whole conceit of this song to be hilarious. Also, you should read the Outliner novels if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's the juxtaposition that makes it so good. It's all of this vitriol and then that propriety. And I also think that it makes a, a very clever one-two punch with the concept of dueling as well. Because dueling is barbarism that is wrapped in all of this civility. 
You know, it's right. a, it's a, the parallelism here is nice. And, you know, the way they incorporate this levity and this joy in the choreography as well yeah. with the letters and the obedient servants, it's, it, it's disjointed in the best way possible. This number, this number smolders. It does like it is a, it is a low burn the entire time you can feel what's rising in Burr from Odom's performance. And then you have that, that arpeggio do, 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 do. Yeah. It's the, the combination is striking. It really is. Yeah. The music at the beginning of this number is incredible. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're entering like a final boss dungeon. <laughs> and like, honestly, you're like, hold like, like Burr's about to Burr is like about to turn into Bowser. Like you can just get like just the music before Burr even starts talking is mm-hmm. palpably angry. Like just yeah. aggressively like it hits the tone and the emotion perfectly. And Burr has <laughs> Burr Burr adds a line. Burr adds a line to his normal intro for Hamilton. He he pulls out all the stops. It's like going to the hot dog stand and Burr normally has ketchup and mustard, and this time he's got like mayo and caramelized onions and a little bit of barbecue sauce. Like he's pulling all his descriptors of Hamilton. He's just pulling them all out in one go. We get an arrogant immigrant orphan bastard whore son. I think that's all of them together. Because in the other intros, there have been a few different ones kind of cut in, right? They added, they've mm-hmm. added, he's added a few other um, ones as well. But I think he pulled all the, all the negative connotation ones there and just chucked them in, which I, it kind of, and part of it is a little bit like clunky writing, but it works perfectly for the emotionality of the character in this moment that he's like that arrogant immigrant orphan bastard. Like I, it's so good. And the way he portrays it is he's not like violently angry, but it's just inter like he can't stop it from coming out. Like mm-hmm. he just can't, he's just, he's just like seething and, I love it. I love his uh, the way he acts. This is incredible because it's not it's not cartoonishly angry. It's rooted in a real world emotion that I can understand, but it is it is very mad. I put in my notes, "Oh shit, he's mad" in all caps. Yeah, he's he's angry to the point of not being able to even keep his thoughts straight. He's redundant here. Yeah, this is he, what I'm saying. It's clunky, yeah. but in a way that really works. Yeah, he's not he's not twirling his mustache and about to tie a woman to the train tracks, right. you know, trying to steal the deed to the camp, you know. Right. He's it's very it's very down to earth. Yeah, the lighting, great job. The red lighting is is there. Just very mm-hmm. it's very con- it's very good contrast as well cuz he's in blue. So while he is kind of doing this whole thing, he's in blue and everything else is kind of in this red it's not even really that red. It's more of like a rosé kind of tint lighting. I don't know. It works for me. I really like it. It matches mm-hmm. the... I don't know if rosé tint is a lighting term that people use, but I'm, <laughs> I'm rolling with it. Um, we also get the squares. You brought up the yeah. squares the last time they were there. They're back. Mm-hmm. I noted it specifically because I thought you'd want to talk about them. I might, could be wrong, but... Yeah, no. I mean, I absolutely did want to. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, you notice. Awesome. Cool. I mean, they're hard not to. It's it's very specific here. But this one is an overhead shot on them, too. Like, they want you to look at them the way they've edited yeah. this. Yeah, it's definitely a choice for the Disney Plus version to go to the grid cam and, and look down so that you can see what Binkley's doing on the floor. And I'm always a fan of consistency and design. And because we have the 
the musical motif from Room Where It Happens reprised here, it's wise to have the room of lighting on the floor as well. You know, this is... And you get this feeling, the, the confinement. I love the feeling of confinement. Burr is like a caged animal, right? He doesn't get to be in the room where it happens. He's just stuck in his study, furiously writing at Hamilton. That's the feeling I get. And I really, I, I feel Burr always has this energy to me like, like a leopard or a panther in a way. I feel like he has a stalking quality to Hamilton throughout their life together. And and I feel like it it it's odd to say, but it's the square of light that reinforces that feeling for me here. And also here on the four ensemble members, we have a live iris with the squares. Like they have they have programmed a shutter cut move as the as the lights are coming up in intensity, they're also opening up for the ensemble to enter into. And it's such a slick little addition to like to further activate those squares coming up by like also zooming them out. Like, oh, it's so it's such it's so so brilliant. Um one of the honestly, you know, it can sometimes be overused, uh, but the the advent of moving lights with internal framing shutters has made such a difference to the specificity that is allowed to us uh, in lighting design. When you see like really choice, juicy moments like that, it is catnip. And I'm just like, God, you, oh, it's, it's just so good. I, I like the divergence in our analysis where my notes are just the squares are back. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, this well, is why this, this is why we're a good team. I think it works out well. Also, absolutely, kinda, it's just like the difference yeah. in analysis is me. It's like, ooh, the squares are back. What does that that's mean? That's the that's and, the point. I mean, like, the advent of this specific lighting thing is amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's yeah. uh, it all for me. It's it's very much part of the holistic uh, part of enjoying the show. Absolutely, and, and also I. You know, I'm back to work, so I'm thinking about design all the time again now, man. You know, because yeah. just opened a show like what two weeks ago, week and a half ago. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, it's the really, it's just a really simple thing to bring the squares back, but it me it means a lot about the storytelling conventions that they're using, and for the lighting to be so consistent with the music when the room where it happens music comes back the room where it happens lighting comes back that's responsible and good design it yeah. is really you know it's just it's just good there we are so after burr has gone through his list of names <laughs> list of descriptors <laughs> for for hamilton there um he he lays down the I mean, not that we didn't know what it was, but he kind of verbalizes to confirm what his specific problem is. Um, how does Hamilton, an arrogant, immigrant, orphan, bastard, whoreson, somehow endorse... Also, the rhyming here is very clever. It's very Eminem-esque, where it doesn't quite rhyme properly, but it sounds like it does, so it's awesome. Somehow endorse Thomas Jefferson, his enemy, a man he's despised since the beginning just to keep me from winning. So what I like about this 
is Burr's perception here. And as we've tracked Burr, we're moving from kind of clairvoyant narrator who's just neutrally describing things to mm-hmm. him. And at, in the end here, in the next song for the, the last podcast, um, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to kind of talk a lot about Burr's justifications. Like the Ten Dual Commandments are really like Burr's Ten Stupid Justifications for Shooting Hamilton could be like an alternate title. So we, we're not quite fully there yet, but here we are just to keep him from winning. It's a very selfish way of looking at that because Hamilton's, mm-hmm. Hamilton's stance, at least is the one he said in this show, isn't that to keep Burr from winning. It was just to keep the person without the, the moral or without the code, right? He likes a man with a code. And it happened that Burr in this case didn't have the code. Right, but a man's Hamil- got to have a code. Yeah, at least Hamilton kind of pretends like it could have been anyone, mm-hmm. right? Like Jefferson has beliefs, Burr has none. But if another person also didn't have beliefs, I'd still go for Jefferson, right? But Burr is like just to keep me from. He hates me. It's me. I lost because of Hamilton, and I, I like because that's how anger. When people are angry, that's how people get, and I, I just like that choice. But it's not really what happened. It's close to what happened. It's not really what Hamilton said. What Hamilton is about to say is, is, I get how they got to the duel. But up until this point, it's not really what Hamilton said. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I just, I completely agree with you. I don't, I don't have any contradictions. You know, yeah. I just, it's, it's right there on the page. Yeah. Burst talking about the room where it happens. You've kept me from the room where it happens. For the last time. So Burr's got a duel on his brain. Burr's, with, before this correspondence happened, Burr's going for the duel. I think we're ending up at the duel regardless of how this goes. The letters are just a formality at this point. That line does very much suggest to me as well that Burr, Burr has chosen that path and he's going to poke and prod Hamilton until the duel is justified. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah. Yeah, he just has to keep he has to keep Alexander like getting worked up until by by the gentleman's codes of the day he's justified right. in requesting the duel. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's exactly what I think. He's he's dual duels on the brain and he's just going to do whatever he's got to do to to make that socially acceptable. Mhm. And we all know that doesn't blow up in his face. Um mm. not at all. <laughs> nope. That's not what happens next. Um the the letters are hilarious. They're basically exposition, but they are hilarious. I'm slow to anger, but I toe the line as I reckon with the effects of your life on mine. Brilliant writing there. Um, mainly what he's accusing Hamilton of um, is just like the only common thread has been your disrespect. I've looked back on this entire relationship and with disrespect tinted glasses, all I'm seeing is all the times that you prevented me from accomplishing what I want. Not mm-hmm. not taking into account all the times Hamilton was like, hey, dude, do you want to come be part of this constitution team? Like, we're going. Do you like, it, it's just, I, I like this again, because we're, we're, this isn't really what happened. This is not what right. happened at all. Like, Burr, yeah. is, Burr is this fiction in his head that Hamilton is the cause of all of his problems, right? Which makes sense, because that's how people are when they're angry. Mm-hmm. But it's not at all what happened. Yeah, he's developed an obsession here, and he he has put all of the frustration and disappointment that he has with this situation 
it all goes into Hamilton at this point. Because again, you know, you can't duel the president. So right. and part it of Hamilton. it too is this was the first time he did the Hamilton, right? Yeah. His whole life Hamilton's been bothering him to do the Hamilton stuff, and so he finally does the Hamilton thing, or at least the Hamilton like in quotation marks thing, right? We can mm-hmm. quip about whether Hamilton would have campaigned openly or not, but like the Hamilton thing, and then Hamilton <laughs> Hamilton rewards him, yeah, <laughs> by voting for the other person. So I get how we got here. Right, like the whole time Hamilton's been like, be more like me, be more like me. Come on, do the thing. I'm come on, we're going, we're doing this thing. And so he finally does the thing the Hamilton way, and Hamilton's like, nah, that's not it, dude. Like, come know. on, do the Hamilton. That's exactly right. Come on, <laughs> our our new hot club track hitting Spotify yeah, he's like, next week. Ah, I actually like Jefferson now. Sorry, right? Yeah, so I, sorry. Underst- I understand how Burr gets here. Um, with duel on the brain, he, he's kind of he's poking and prodding till he gets it because the 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 line you call me amoral, a dangerous disgrace. If you've got something to say, name a time and place face to face. Like he's going for the duel. There's yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, he's full bore at this point. He's he's on the path. Uh, point out here quickly that the the Eminem inspired. Uh, style of writing here moving from traditional rhyming to slant rhyming and back and forth throughout uh is is consistent and gives a to me at least you get this bouncy off kilter feel to the whole number and it supports that something is coming you don't quite know which way it's gonna go but you know which way he is leaning right but it's just there's this there's this uh, this quality to it that the the writing style is so complex, it mirrors the complexity of the emotion, the the weight of the situation. I think it's a very clever decision, and it's you know it's simple, but there are genius choices here made. Like, and in every place I checked, rhymed with the only common thread has been your disrespect. Like the the way that is, it's not a a true rhyme. You know, but it's that that slant way that really, really works for me here. Yeah. Uh, how Hamilton approaches this whole thing is is hilarious to me. And I'm going to explain why I find it hilarious at the very end. Um, but how Hamilton approaches this is just like an absolute unit. Like, just just amazing. I'm, I'm I, a fan. Yeah. The balls, okay, uh, yeah, of Hamilton funny. here. First of all why burr is writing him in the first place we know why we know what burr is angry about and and hamilton opens with mr vice president right like you're hamilton like come on salt on the wound man right yeah absolutely mr vice president in all caps underlined exclamation points yeah now i know i know that's the proper thing to do I know that it's a double entendre. It it has the double. Yeah, I know it's the proper thing to do, and we have seen Hamilton address Burr by a title before, and we've talked about it on this show. But then it was to me, it was a double meaning then too. Congrats to you, Lieutenant Colonel. I wish I had your man instead of Manning George's journal. Exactly right. So Hamilton is always capable of saying multiple things all at once, and he's definitely doing that here. Yeah. I also actually no, I don't want. I'm gonna save that comment for our season two or our act two award episode. Right. Sorry, I was about to give away how I felt about something. Anyways, yeah. Um, 
So Hamilton pretty much lays it like, I'm not the reason no one trusts you. No one knows what you believe. That's just all reframing stuff we already know Hamilton thinks. Like, yeah. But even um, Madison also referenced earlier that he doesn't really know what um, Burr believes mm -hmm. either. Like, there are other characters who just don't really understand what Burr <laughs> believes in. And so it's not just Hamilton. We get the sense that this is a common thing that a lot of people um, think of Burr. And so he kind of litigates that again. Um but I, but I love this. I will not equivocate on my opinion. I have always worn it on my sleeve. Definitely. Fair enough, Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> um, but I like this. You would need to cite a more specific grievance. Here's an itemized list of the pick your grievance. Like here's a 30 mm -hmm. years of them. I just love this from Hamilton. Like, you know what, dude? You want to pick a grievance? Here's every fucking grievance that I've ever had with you. And you can just pick the one that makes you the most angry. I I the cojones on Hamilton here. Every, the way he approaches this whole thing is perfect. Even to the point where Burr stop even to the point where Burr stops being mad for half a second to be like, sweet Jesus. Like what did I sign up for? Like this is ridiculous. Right? Like he <laughs> he stops being angry for half a second to just kind of to confront the absurdity of this situation that he's gotten himself into. Yeah, part of that sweet Jesus for me is, how did I not see this coming? Right, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck me. Like, what are we doing? Hamilton, like, of course I should have. Like, why is, like, why is there, I don't know, before they had, like, moving vans, do they have, like, moving carts? Right, I imagine a horse pulling up with, like, a vault of papers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A covered wagon. A you know, drawn wagon. by horses. Right. Yeah, just full with letters. <laughs> yeah. Volumes of grievances. And they evoke that in the choreography because, you know, they're sending multiple <laughs> letters oh, over to... Ah, and then yeah. the, last, the last letter where the the perfect ensemble acting there puts it down and then as Bird goes to grab it, pulls it back, laughs that... in his face and then puts it back down again. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And makes him wait for the A.ham to start reading it. <laughs> yeah, So clever. It's, it's all so clever. It's perfect. Um, yeah. So I, you know, uh, speaking of perfection... Um, and we, we get to, you know, the, like the, truly the proof positive of Burr knowing where he wants this to, to go, like careful how you proceed. Good man. He doesn't want him to be careful. Like he is just, he's once again, tripling down, like, let's go prepare I, to bleed. I, good man. I also like the intemperate line. Like mm, he's mm -hmm. just, he's just projecting. Yeah. Like Hamilton is not the one who's mad here. Right? Hamilton is just it seems like just enjoying the whole thing. <laughs> like just, Mr. Vice hey. President, here's all my grievances. Like it seems like Hamilton's just along for the like, ah, well, if Burr's gonna do this, I'll play along. But like right. the intemperate part, I think, is a little bit of projection, which is again how people really act. So I just like this bit of humanity yeah. from Burr. The the psychology in the construction of this number, uh, I think, you know, I'm I'm not a trained person psychology psychological professional in any way but my reading of you know how i've dealt with how i've dealt with anger and rejection in my own experience like this is very heart accurate to me you know um he's definitely projecting and hamilton i believe is being genuine i am just a guy in the public eye trying to do my best for the republic yeah, absolutely i i this is the part where like it flips where Ham like mm -hmm. I, I i did a lot of hamil hamilton dunking when he got his son murdered <laughs> Yeah, and when he cheated on his wife and all that, but this part is all Burr. Like Hamilton has done nothing wrong here, I don't think. Yeah, I think, I think this is all Burr just being a grumpy person. 
And Hamilton does him the good credit of saying, hey, you know what, all things considered, your grievance actually is legitimate. I get it. I get why you're like, calm down. I have a I different get- reading of this. I have a very different, and this is the part where I think Hamilton actually has the, the funniest approach. The way I interpret Hamilton saying the grievance is legitimate is very different. I interpret it as, you know what? Fine. All the things you think I said, I said all of them. Right. Like, I think it's more of a I think it's more of a um, especially um, when it's like I stand by what I said, every bit of it. Like we just litigated how Burr is kind of just make like so Hamilton sends him the list of 30 years of disagreements. Right. But Burr is up here um, trying to say, like, hey, the only common thread has been your disrespect. If you've got something to say, name a time and place face to face. Like Burr is trying mm-hmm. to prod Hamilton. And Hamilton's like, you know what? Like, just make up anything. And I said it. I said that. Like, whatever you think I said, whatever you think I did, I did all of it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I approach it more from like a Hamilton just being like, fine, whatever, dude. If you're, if you're determined to make me this evil villain, then I'll just be this evil villain. Like, I did all of it. Yep, sure. I gotcha. I don't take it that way because Hamilton has been careful previously to make sure everybody understands exactly what he did and said and didn't do or didn't say. But right, that's the whole Reynolds pamphlet thing. It's like, yeah, okay, true. look, you know, I did did I have a multi year affair uh, and and pay for it? Yeah, but I didn't steal from the treasury, guys. Okay, <laughs> I wasn't embezzling. Right. You know, I think what he's saying here is, I stand by what I did say. I stand by what I said publicly, and I stand by that. Right? That's I am. I will stand by my word. But what you, the other things you have claimed, even if I said what you think I said, like I didn't say all that. You're blo- you're you're blowing this out of proportion. But I get it. By the laws of our ethics of the time, you have a legitimate grievance. So we may proceed. Sure, I, I'm going to keep my head cannon of Hamilton. No, for sure, it. absolutely. I'm oh, definitely cool. not trying to change your mind. That's just my alternative reading yeah, of like- the. Fuck, of the stanza like, yeah i yeah whatever you think i said i said it yeah sure <laughs> like, whatever. yeah like, well and that makes it interesting like that take hamilton just being like fine, can we ugh, is is similar to burr's sweet jesus like right, it's another that's, parallel that's, that's, between I, the yeah i i always read it that way where hamilton's like fine like, sure i guess <laughs> like, your grievance is legitimate like is that what you want to hear like i because that's how I, I find that to be more like human where it's like where it happens at work all the time, actually, where people will just like accuse me of things that aren't true. Like, mm-hmm. like I'll do someone's schedule. Like I'll do a, a, a payroll schedule, right? And I'll have very specific reasons for doing the things I did and putting people on specific days or scheduling them for specific shifts or jobs or whatever. And then they'll just accuse me of like, they're on the cleaning shift today because I hate them. Mm. And it's like, actually, it's just your turn. Like, I did the math on who has done the most cleaning shifts, and it's just right. Like, the 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 reality and the truth are very. But when they when they start complaining about it, I'm just like, you know what? Fine. Yeah, it's because I hate you. It's because I just absolutely cannot stand you. And so you'll be cleaning forever till the end of time. So I just maybe that's how I react to those types of things. Yeah. Where it's like, fine. If you're so determined to read, if you're so determined to just read this in a way that it's not, I'm just going to agree with you and not try and fix it. Cause it, the, the difference is too vast. Right. Right. Like the gap is too vast. To, so that happens all the time to me where they're just like, where people are like, you know what? 
I'm just like, fine, fine. If you're determined to read it that way, I'm not going to try and change your mind. I'm just going to, yep. I hate yeah. you. I it's just not can't. worth the energy. I, yeah. I, yeah, that's how I feel. But maybe it's just me because that's often how I approach those types of things. Where instead of going through all the time and energy and effort of explaining something to someone, and like if they were curious, they would have just asked. They're not, they just want to be grumpy about something and they've chosen me, and that's fine. It's right. easiest to, like, I don't mind being the person people are grumpy at, especially at work. Like, it's easy to be grumpy, <laughs> right? Like, if I'm your boss and you just, like, you need to be grumpy with someone, pick me for sure. Like, mm -hmm. don't pick your coworkers or the guests or anything. Like, definitely be grumpy with me. But yeah. I oftentimes feel like if people need to be grumpy, they just make something up that I've done that I've definitely not done, but just for the sake of being grumpy about it. And I feel like that's how I approach this. Is like, I'm sure if that's what you, if you think it's because I hate you, then it is because I hate you. And then that's, I'm not going to try and fix that situation. <laughs> Because now you've made me hate you by right, exhausting yeah. me. <laughs> right, yeah. Now I actually do hate you. How did that work out? Anyways. Um, Burr's line reading of mm, then stand mm -hmm. Alexander, Weehawken, Don, guns drawn. You're like, fuck yeah, let's go. You're you're hyped. Like, when you're watching mm -hmm. this, you're like, let's see this duel. I am ready for this duel. They do a great job. Like the duel doesn't feel artificial at all. It feels necessary. It feels like the right time. It feels like we've been building the whole musical like progressively towards it. And when it hits, you're just like, yes. Let's. Yeah. Really the... does feel like the stakes are high enough here. You know, like the duel is, you know, you're not surprised by them getting to a duel at this point. Like they're right, hot. That's right. they're, they're hot enough under the collar. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then the duel, I have the honor to be your obedient servant. Like, sure. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Best of wives and best of women. That Do is what's any? next. Do we have it is. Else? It is. No, I don't. Uh, I, I find it intriguing that we get that energy built up and we're just absolute drowning in testosterone at this moment, right? And there's really only one thing that can save us for a moment, and that is Philippa Sue. Like, we have to have this moment with them. And the simpler choice, I think, would obviously be to just go straight into the duel. That would be the simpler and, to me, less interesting choice. Having this brief interlude with the two of them, we get to see that they're actually doing okay. Yeah, that is necessary. I think part yeah. of it is that it's an interesting choice. Unlike the Jefferson interaction, where I think you could cleanly cut it out and you actually don't lose anything. I think This feels lose, essential. This feels essential because the last thing you got with Eliza and Hamilton was the holding hands, like, forgiveness stuff. But you to understand the pain Eliza's going through in at the end, you need this moment to see, oh, they're back, they're back. Right. It's been years at this point. And they're like going back to like even like come back to sleep like they're sharing a bed again. Like that's important information for us to know so that when Eliza is very upset in the next song, we really understand just how 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 big of a bridge they built over that gap that was between them. And that it wasn't like just a rickety shit bridge that kind of did that. It was a full they made they, they're back. They figured it out They're yeah, so I think it's essential. It's also just adorable. Like Philippus who's just Philippus who's just cute and her line delivery, like the tone of voice she chooses very just very I don't know what cute might be the right word, but just very pretty. Like very I don't yeah. know. 
I was going to go with Tinder. Tender is a good one. Tender is a yeah. more sophisticated answer. It's like, <laughs> like, you know what? You know, you have those word choices where it's like uh-huh. a, bun- a bunch of words, <laughs> like a bunch of big broad words, and it narrows down. Well, I just Thanks. keep my thesaurus hidden under the desk where you can't see it. Right. I imagine it's actually just this, like it's one monitor for recording and one monitor for this thesaurus.com. Yeah. And then and our then, notes. Yeah. And then the notes. Yeah. Takes three monitors to record this show, y'all. You, you heard it here first. Um, I have. Something that I have wondered about this song for a long time doesn't take me out of the moment, doesn't bother me. It's just something that that kind of hits my brain every now and again when I get to this point in the show. Elizabeth Schuyler Hamilton is an intelligent woman. She's clever and funny at times. And she's smart enough to keep pace with Alexander Hamilton, okay? He he loves her for her mind just as much as everything else about her. I mean, she's no Angelica, but she's no dummy, right. okay? How many out-of-town meetings does one take <laughs> at dawn? I was going to bring this up. I, think, <laughs> I, I was going to bring up this exact same thing. <laughs> Once you get to, like, you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes. The, but also the line delivery of Lin Manuel. It's like this meeting's at dawn. It's like okay, yep, that tracks. Like I, I have the same thought. I'm like, how on earth do you not realize what's happening here? I mean, I, I have the same thought for for the dramatic irony, right? For the for the for the dark romance of this moment. It's more emotionally compelling that she doesn't even know what she's trying to prevent from happening. Yes. That is that is more narratively interesting and more emotionally evocative. I get that. I agree. I love it. But <laughs> it's just one of those things that like every now and again, I'm like, if you told me that you had an early meeting out of town at just dawn, Referencing Dawn. At dawn, I would know exactly what you were about to go do. Yeah, I think the reason dawn. So I, you know, I find this interesting because I think the reason dawn is a trigger in my head um, is just because within the musical, since I've watched it so many times, it comes up. Like, yeah. um, like later, it happens after this. So the first time that we watch this, but later the line is going to be, we rode across the Hudson at dawn, my friend William P. Van Ness signed on. And so mm. when as soon as you go back to this a second time, the dawn part triggers a lot more. But I don't think the first time I watched this, I was specifically triggered as much. Um, it's just like the more you watch, the more you're like, hmm, okay. Yeah, well- I mean, we did just have, you know, Weehawk and Dawn, Dawn guns right? drawn. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. But, I mean, it is but Eliza wasn't there for, like, this is like, it's triggering. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Eliza was It's triggering for there. us. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm going to give Eliza the benefit of the doubt here. So, you know, it can, it can work for me. Like, we've established, you know, he writes like he's running out of time. We have it here, right? And we can see him staying up all hours of the night. I meeting. think the I like, line, I, I think the line, I just need to write something down. She's like, fucking fine. Sure. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's something he says every evening before bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. one minute, I've got to write this down. And then a week later, she sees him again. I reckon Eliza actually has this time. Like, if she wants him to be in bed by 1030, she actually approaches at 930. 
right? To be like, hey, it's bedtime. So he's like, I just mm-hmm. need to write something down. And then he's finished by 1030, like just accounting for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, uh, you have that aunt that shows up to family dinner like a half hour late all Every the time. T- so you tell her that it's actually starting an hour before. Right. So she gets there on time. Yeah. 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 Um, now, I, you know, I take this to be the. I take this to be the last time that they they speak to each other for for like like this you know because i feel like she goes back to bed and he walks out the door you know and so it's that that feeling for me just makes this moment so heartbreaking it really does um another thing and i guess this this will circle a little a little bit back to um your obedient servant but is also you know talking about their forgiveness and the status of their relationship here and how they've how they have truly been reunited, right? This is 1804. Yeah. Burr and Hamilton have been spitting at each other for four years, first of all. So they are really revved up. And then they have had four, they have had more than four years to reconcile their differences, Eliza and Hamilton. So the fact that all of that is so efficiently brought down into this one number and we get such a clear picture of how well they're doing in this song. This song is 12 lines. Yeah. Right? And and we get such a clear picture of how well they're doing. And it's in that in that short amount of time. Like that we don't need the four years of exposition, you know? I I find it interesting now that you say that. I was just aware of the timeline-ish, so I haven't really thought about it. I don't know if the musical is trying to portray that this is four years later. This has been four... I think the 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 musical will reference dates when they want to. I think the musical is trying to make this feel a little more accelerated, like that that the election happened... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it matters to the musical what year this happens in. I don't think it matters to the musical. I'm saying it's unfortunately, it's knowledge that I know. Right. Right? But it actually enhances my appreciation of the way they've constructed this part of the the musical. Sure. It, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, I respect how uh, your obedient servant and best of wives and best of women are both tonally and emotionally abbreviations of four period four years of time yeah and if you know that uh well it may not be true for everyone but it's true for me knowing that makes me appreciate these two numbers that much more because of the just the sheer amount of work that they do in such a short amount of stage time right but no i don't think it i don't think it matters to the musical itself what year this happens in. Right. It actually benefits the musical, what you were just saying, to think that the election happens and then Burr starts writing Hamilton the next day. Yeah. In the context of the like musical. Three weeks yeah. later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like this happens 
in no more time than it takes ponies to get from Burr's house to Hamilton's house. Like how <laughs> how how long does it take uh, to send an owl uptown? Like that's that's how fast this happens. Yeah. Um, the writing in this song, it's efficient, but in a way, like Hamilton is mostly a perfectly written musical. Right. There are little quips and mm-hmm. things here or there, but I think universally, I've never heard someone be like. Yeah, the writing in Hamilton isn't anything but extraordinarily good, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it goes from like fantastic to amazing to what, however you want to tear all those words, mm-hmm. right? But no one goes like, ah, the writing in Hamilton's just bang average. Like no one, I've never heard anyone say that. And so, mm-hmm. so many lines here, like trying to get them to rhyme, trying to get them to be efficient is one thing. And sometimes efficiency for the sake of efficiency is good, and that doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be any more well done than the successful compression of time down into a small amount. Like taking four years and compressing it into 12 lines. If you can do that and we can move on, that would be fine. But it's Mm -hmm. so much more deep than that. Um, Subtle, like I have an early meeting out of town. It's still dark outside. So the situation is that they've gone to bed Mm -hmm. and he's woken up early to go to the duel. And he's tried to do this without Eliza also waking up. Right. Like his morning routine for this is he's going to get up early, write his note, leave it, and be gone. So when Eliza wakes up, she's like, oh, where the fuck's Hamilton? Right. He hasn't yeah. informed her of this meeting beforehand. So he's almost being like caught in the act and having to like get out of it. But mm-hmm. also, little lines like, um, why do you write like you're running out of time? Yes, it's a callback to earlier when everyone's like why do you write like you're running out of time but instead of just being merely a callback it's also like we know he's about to die yeah and he so is running hit, out of time he is but it, like for us the audience it hits so much harder so like mm-hmm. there's no more perfect time for this callback to bring this line back a line that we hardly thought of earlier when it feels like there's an infinite amount of time but now that we know that by the end of next song hamilton's going to die Right, or by the end of the way, we, we know mm-hmm. that, again, we're, the clock's ticking. You can look at your watch. I've been in this theater for two hours, two hours and 15 minutes. Like, we're getting mm-hmm. to the end here. Um, just exquisite use of a line. One of 12, just exquisite use of a line there to lay out all the stakes while also being a callback, while also kind of fitting in with the theme, while also being something Eliza would say. Well, like, all of it together is incredible. Yeah, that's... That line's going on my value over replacement list for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's so great, much. It's a great little track. It's a great little track, man. I think right? th- this one this one is a sleeper for sure because it's one of those shorter numbers that feels like it could be appended to another number in the show. But I think for its elegance and for all that it does, it this really does stand alone as its own very proper and very well done work of art yeah absolutely um the i'll be back before you know i'm gone again we know that's not true so it's extra Mm. heartbreaking but it's of course what you would say like if you know you're about to go to a duel right and you also know you're going to shoot in the air like hamilton knows this like hamilton has already decided like i don't Mm. think he gets there and decides like based on what he told philip and everything i think he's a man of honor he's going to shoot in the air he's not going to kill burr like he's Right, so the only outcome is that they both live or he dies. Like I don't think mm-hmm. it's in his. I don't think he has any thought about actually killing Burr, and so he's trying to be like, "Yeah, I'll be back before you know I'm gone." But also, 
This whole outcome is just based on how Burr, how mad Burr, because it's not a skill issue, right? Like I I'm not gonna stop Burr. Like if he wants to aim and shoot at me, I'm just gonna let him, mm-hmm. right? And so you also have like, and then the line at the end, like the best of wives and best of women. He's trying to straddle that line of like this may like I'm not gonna stop this from being goodbye. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna stand there and he's either gonna shoot at me or not, but I'm gonna shoot in the air, right? And so I like this kind of straddling between the reassurance and not letting her know that it's a duel, but also trying to get that that goodbye in and say something profound and kind and nice, right? So that if he does go and Burr does shoot him, that he's at least said that. And so, I don't know, it's, it's 12 lines that couldn't be better, I don't think. Well, yeah, he's said that, but that's the, you know, the annoying complexity of Hamilton. Like, he's still being like a pretty shitty husband here. You know, but then it's also kind of romantic that one of the last things he does is write her a letter because that was so much of their life together. It's it's just so it's so again, this this song very much exists in the gray. Like I'm I'm back on team Hamildunk. Like we're very we're very gray here. It exists in the gray. I'm willing to give Hamilton the benefit of the doubt for this one. I was I've been overly hard, maybe not overly hard. I feel acceptably hard on Hamilton. But in this case like within the context of dueling and all that, right? Like this is a socially acceptable thing to do. It's been well-earned. It's been justified. It's been built up to, right? I, I think where things get gray isn't actually the going to the duel or the not telling. I suspect no one tells their significant other, like, hey, I'm going, right? Because earlier, right? Like in the first 10 duel commandments, they talk about kind of writing the letter, leave a note for your next of kin as if that's the normal approach. Yeah, tell no, them where you've been. Tell them where you've been. So this isn't Hamilton just being extra shitty. This is just typical dual behavior. And that doesn't mean the dual behavior isn't shitty, mm-hmm. right? But he's acting within the normal rules of this, I think, here, right? Where things get gray for me is that he has decided that he will either live or die, but it's completely up to Burr, right? Because even if you take Burr at face value and you go, Hamilton's the better shot, by shooting Burr, Hamilton could protect himself, but he's not going to. He's going to shoot in the air, and it's to- it's completely in Burr's hands and his his ability at being a marksman to decide right. whether Hamilton lives. Like he is not going to protect himself for his family or anything. He's going to leave himself exposed, come what may, and leave the fate of Eliza up to Burr to decide. Mm-hmm. Which I well, uh, and which- I don't. I don't, I think we'll, you know, we'll get into our feelings about it more next time, I'm sure. And I don't know what yours are, but I think, I have, I have my feelings about it. And, and they, they put him even further into the gray as to like my feelings about why Hamilton does that. And I'm, and I'm curious to hear like your we'll thoughts. We'll save it for the next one for sure. Yeah. We'll save it for the next we're going to go out with a bang. We'll save all those thoughts for them. We don't want to spoil anything now. No, for sure. I feel like sure, I feel like indeed. we're building towards a disagreement, though, which is awesome. Yeah, I always look forward to that, for sure. Um, what do we think? Is Eliza the best of wives and best of women? I go with yeah. She definitely is for him. And I think that part of that is him admitting that she's better than, than he deserves. Yeah. You know, I think that there's gratitude in this moment. I think there's gratitude and and genuine love. And I mean, her all that she does throughout her life, like she might have been one of the best people that ever lived. She might have been. 
just one of the best, most noble women of our history. All right, everyone, apologies for that weird kind of cutoff there. Uh, my brother is doing electrical work downstairs and turn off the power to my room. He says it's going to happen multiple times today. I wish I had a warning, um, but we did recover the audio, which is awesome. So that's good. Um, best of wives, best of women. We were wrapping that song up anyway. Is there anything else that you were hoping to to get in there about it? No, I think uh, I think my mischief is managed, man. I think that we we hit all the high points that I needed to hit. We hit all the points that I needed to hit as well. The last thing before the outro, though, are you ready for the end of Hamilton to dissect the ending of this musical? Is that something you're prepared for? I'm terrified. <laughs> I really am. I, I really am terrified. I'm confident I'm not going to get through it without getting a little bit weepy. Oh, uh, that's fun. I, I'm, I'm dead serious about that. Uh, it, um, you know, it, it hits me on uh, a profound level, um, specifically who lives, who dies, who tells your story, uh, messes me up real hard. Uh, and I also just think that on on a level of just objective stuff, there's just so much to unpack uh, that, you know, much like much like the end of Act One, I just want to do it justice, you know. And uh, but, you know, a little bit of a little bit of fear, a little bit of challenge can be a very good thing. What about you? you I don't know if I'm prepared for it. I know there's other stuff after Let's Dive Deep Hamilton. So I'm happy with that. Um, Yeah, it's just part of the Let's Dive Deep kind of ethos is that it it ends at some point. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a forever like the it's not a forever thing. Like eventually Let's Dive Deep Hamilton will just be a complete set of episodes you can listen to. So those of you listening the next episode will not be the last Let's Dive Deep Hamilton episode. We still got to do our Act 2 awards. We probably have to do like a whole musical kind of summary now that we've kind of dissected everything. Like just one episode about the play as a whole and it being a pop culture phenomenon and those types of things. So it'll be a couple of little episodes after. But I'm assuming the majority of listeners will kind of be ending at the next one. Um but yeah, yeah, I'm definitely I'm interested to spend some time talking about how going through the show in pieces has changed uh, our evaluation of it as a whole, right? Because this is a very doing this has been a very different experience than just sitting down to watch the musical. Right. It is, Each episode is most episodes of this podcast are longer than the musical yeah. for a couple of songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's, you know, uh, there's definitely more fun to be had. But no, I think that you know, that that decision to, you know, to have this as a complete body of work, you know, I th- that's the way to do it. Like this is not an open-ended thing, right? And you know, people should like be able to do it cover to cover and 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 have a complete product from us, right? Instead of just going on ad infinitum and and finding, you know, finding stuff to talk about just to keep it going like we're not we're not going to do an hour on the best trousers in the play we probably right. could right. you know oh, but. absolutely <laughs> that's exactly right all right sweet well let's wrap this bad boy up then we got one more kind of canonical episode to go uh, hopefully that'll be hitting your feeds in a reasonable amount of time 
Um, but we are busy with life, so hopefully we can get that to you. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us on our deep dive today. Before we go, head over to Twitter at Let's Dive Deep and uh, email us at letsdivedeeppod at gmail.com. We would love for you to continue the discussion. We would love to hear from you. We've got a couple of really good emails this week um, that we will be bringing up on the show, hopefully in the future at, at some point before it is all uh, wrapped up. In the next episode, we're finishing up. We're wrapping up everything that's left in hamilton the the musical so i think that's only two songs i think so anyways it'll be mm-hmm. whatever whatever mm-hmm. it is um that's left you wanted to plug something though why don't you why don't you take the lead and go for it yeah indeed so for any listeners that want some you know i don't know let's call it expanded universe content uh <laughs> my uh <laughs> my uh, theater actors express where, uh, I'm on staff as the, uh, as the production electrician. Um, I also design, uh, lights with them, um, because my, my primary occupation is as a lighting designer. Um, we just opened Heather's the musical and, uh, this season we have started a companion podcast to go along with our season. Uh, it is called five till go. And I recently did an interview uh, with our producer and host, Amanda, about the lighting design for Heather's The Musical, uh, show that we just opened. So that is specific to that show. But if you are interested in lighting design generally, uh, what the job is, how we do it, and how we approach a musical, I know that I've talked about design in the context of Hamilton. But if you are looking for more info about that uh we're gonna have the link available for you and you can go check that out so again that's uh actors express's podcast five till go it's just a it's a process podcast about how us theater makers make theater and if you're interested go check it out you should go check it that wasn't really like a a suggestion it was more like a request like your your hall pass (laughs) Your hall pass for the last episode of this podcast is having <laughs> listened to that one. It's like a it's like a side quest that almost feels mandatory. Yeah, so when I you try go- to pl- when you try to press play in your podcatcher, there's going to be a pop quiz that <laughs> <right>. comes up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you continue to enjoy uh, the Hamilton deep dive as we kind of wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one. <laughs>